You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, this is Doug Robertson of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution with another edition of the Southern Fried Soccer Podcast. It is August 16th, 2021, and yesterday afternoon, Atlanta United defeated LAFC 1-0, the game-winning goal coming from Joseph Martinez in the, now it says the 46th minute, yesterday it was the 47th minute, with an assist from Ezekiel Barco. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC on Facebook at Atlanta United News Now. And I hope you'll consider following me on Instagram at Douglas David Robertson. The win was Atlanta United's second consecutive and the first time since the first two games of the 2020 season that it has won consecutive league games, which is a mind-boggling fact to think about. And with the win, Atlanta United stays or is within five points of Montreal for the seventh and final playoff spot in the East. The team has a good chance to try to make up some ground on Wednesday because it hosts Toronto, uh, statistically the worst team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, That game will be at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, and I will be there. Uh, It will be Rob Valentino's final game in charge as interim manager of Atlanta United uh, with Gonzalo Pineda. Uh, taking over Thursday uh, with the post-training session ahead of next Saturday's game. Um, so really, this game, is it was unlike Atlanta United's performances in its previous five games under Rob, uh, who's now 2-2-2 two, two, and two as the interim manager. Um, Atlanta United didn't really do a whole lot on offense in the first half. Its best chance uh, was one um, created by an interception by Santiago Sosa, led to a three-on-two, Barco in the middle, Moreno on the right, Joseph on the left. Uh, Barco made the right choice to Joseph on the left, but Joseph, instead of trying to hit it with his left foot, tried to cut back against uh, one of the two defenders and lost the ball. That was our best chance. Uh, after the game, Rob Valentino said he thought it was unlike them, the way they were playing. Um, they had a couple of chances to put LAFC to the sword, so to speak, and just a bad first touch or a bad decision or a bad pass kind of squandered that opportunity. At halftime, they talked about trying to be a little bit more direct. LAFC changed its shape, and suddenly in that 46th, 47th minute, Marcelino Moreno had the ball in 
Atlanta United's defensive third looked up, saw that Atlanta United had a two-on-two situation with Ezekiel Barco and Joseph Martinez against two LA center backs, and he pinged a long pass down the field. Uh, a couple of times in the first half, LAFC was able to make a kind of last-second or last-ditch interception of those passes. This time, the ball bounced off of the guy's foot, into, continued into the space behind the defensive lines. Barco ran, in, ran onto it, took a dribble, saw Martinez to his right, hit a pass with the outside of his right foot, kind of squared it over to Joseph, who one-timed a right-footed shot into the lower left corner. And then Atlanta United was kind of holding on for dear life, LAFC created chance after chance, took shot after shot, but could only put three on goal. Brad Guzan had a fantastic game for Atlanta United. Uh, some very key interceptions uh, for his fourth shutout this season. Uh, LAFC finished with 16 shots, but just three on target. Atlanta United finished with nine and six. Atlanta United did a fantastic job of containing Carlos Vela. Uh, Atlanta United had a game plan for him. Miles Robinson talked about it. Valentino talked about it. He, Vela likes to get the ball on the right sideline and cut in on his left foot, so they just try to take away his left foot uh, by making him go right or just making him go backward. And they did a fantastic job uh, for the game. Let's check the stats here super fast. Uh, Carlos Vela did create four chances. He only had two shots and one on goal. Coffee break real quick. Um, LAFC as a team had 10 chances created. Atlanta United only created six, and that was two in the second half. So, again, it, it wasn't the same kind of offensive performance that we've seen from the club uh, the past few games. But it was a win, and a win is a win, and Valentino said they will take it. So uh, let's look at the MLS standings super fast before we start to get into your questions. Didn't get as many questions this week as usual, and that's okay. Um, so, New England is at the top with 43 points. New York City, 31. Nashville, 31, after they demolished D.C. United. Orlando with 30. Philadelphia with 28. D.C. with 27. And Montreal with 26. Those are the top seven teams, the teams that will advance to the MLS playoffs. In eighth is Columbus. In ninth is Atlanta United with 21, followed by Chicago, followed by New York with 19, and I'm not going to get into the last few because they really don't have a chance. Um, and so now how big were those drop points from winning positions from Atlanta United in those home games uh, last month? Because if they had those four points right now, they would only be one point behind Montreal. Uh, so they're in a tough spot, but they did it to themselves. Uh, in the Western Conference, Kansas City continues to lead, or I'm sorry, Sporting Kansas City continues to lead the West with 37 points, and Seattle has 36 after they demolished Portland in an exciting game. I watched most of that one last night. Uh, Raul Ruiz Diaz is a, he's a nasty, nasty man. A uh, little bitty dude with a powerful cannon of a foot. Um, if you get a chance to watch some of his highlights uh, from last night, I would do that. Um, so let's go ahead and get into some of your questions here, and off we go. Uh, Umberto asks, not sure I see Mateus Uzetu on the team next year. His game is to pass the ball to the player closest to him. Do you see him here next year? Fans in Brazil complained of his very consistent inconsistency. 
By the way, the best coffee is Costa Rican coffee. Um, thank you for the question, Roberto. Uh, yeah, Hizetu is a, he's quizzical. Um, he had a great game against Columbus, and then he, I thought, really struggled uh, with his offense, at least. Yesterday, uh, a lot of turnovers in the first half. You're right, just a ton of just really close passes that don't really accomplish a lot. He only completed 82.6% of his passes uh, yesterday. Two tackles, three fouls won, four fouls conceded. Um, you know, I'm all for short passes because I talk about it on Twitter, one touch, one touch. But when the guy is two feet away from you, I don't understand that. Uh, it looked a lot like the Huzetu of last year instead of the Huzetu of the last game. But let's see if he uh, starts against uh, Toronto on Wednesday and how he performs. Um, and as for Costa Rican coffee, I'm going to just say, okay, um, I don't think I have enough, a sophisticated enough palate to know what's better. I just know coffee to me uh, perks me up, and that's kind of why I drink it. Uh, and I'm going to have a sip right now, and I hope you're enjoying yours. Okay, Nick asks, I hope you enjoyed today's win as much as we did. My question is, from our next three matches versus Toronto at D.C. and versus Nashville, how many points do you see us gaining from those matches, and how many points do we need to gain from those matches? I think anywhere from five to seven is a success, but is that enough? Yeah, uh, this is, this is a, it, the stretch starts with an easy, well, what is considered an easy game against Toronto. Toronto still has a ton of firepower on offense, but they're just really, really disjointed right now. At D.C., that game doesn't look as tough as it did a bit ago um, after Nashville just took them apart, but D.C. is still a very tough team. And then at home versus Nashville, which is really, really playing well, uh, I think five points uh, would probably be considered a success by Atlanta United. Six points would be great. Anything more than that would be fantastic. Um, I think they need to get at least five points. They... You know, got it. Got to stay around Montreal. They got to stay within stalking distance um, of who or Montreal or whoever's in that seventh spot. Um, second question: At this point, do we make the playoffs if we keep our form up? Well, uh, the good thing about the schedule this year, as I've talked about on previous podcasts, is Atlanta United now only plays Eastern Conference teams for the rest of the way. So every game is like a double pointer in terms of the race for the playoffs. Um, so, yeah, if the team keeps its form, not really the form against LAFC, but maybe the form from the previous games, the LAFC form reminded me a whole lot of Gabriel Heinz's short reign uh, than Valentino's interim reign. Um, yeah, I think make the playoffs. I, I don't think anything higher than sixth is really realistic. It would take a gigantic crash from one of those teams. But yeah, I think the playoffs are a realistic probability. Uh, ben asks, assuming Eric Lopez is one of our three young DPs, and he is, Ben, how much of a waste is he? I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, remember about Lopez, he came as a striker. He was signed as a striker. And Gabriel Heinzer, for whatever reason, turned him into a winger. Um, and so he's lost, you know... Um, six months of time in which he could have been playing as a striker 
playing as a winger. And so you say, okay, we'll send him down to the twos. I'm going to play the striker. Except the twos are playing really, really well right now. But it could be a probability because right now Lopez has lost his starting spot because the other players are, are playing better in the formational shift uh, to wingbacks. Um, and Joseph Martinez is scoring goals. So Lopez isn't going to crack the lineup there either. Um, ben goes on, so Santiago Sosa is a consistent starter. Abara provides good steel and depth in the midfield. I don't think Abara's proven himself, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, I think he and Lopez are kind of neck and neck in terms of just young players. Uh, both have potential, but I don't think either's really proven themselves. Um, so, yeah, I've shared my thoughts with you on, on that. Um, you know, I, I tried, uh, y'all get tired of me saying this, but I tried to warn y'all at the beginning of the season when you were complaining about Kubo Torres and everyone was shouting, put in Eric Lopez, put in Eric Lopez, and I kept telling y'all that he's not playing striker, he's playing winger, and you're putting way, way too much pressure on him or, or hoping for way, way too much. And we see it time and time again with player after young player you know, just got to be patient. Um, I know it's hard to be patient. I know in sports, sports is not at all about patience. Um, and I understand that. But just try to consider the circumstances and, and everything. And I mean, if, if you've got a supremely talented, impactful young player, to be blunt, they're not, most of the time, probably not coming to Major League Soccer. They're probably going right to Europe. Major League Soccer is still a... a vastly improving league uh, compared to previous years, and it's getting a lot of good, talented players. But, you know, there's still tiers of talented players, and the best of those best, the ones that I think y'all are assuming Atlanta United is signing, typically go to Europe. Do we know when Gonzalo Pineda uh, will arrive in Atlanta? Y'all got to read my stories. You've got to read my stories. I've written it I don't know how many times, Ben. Uh, when we'll be able to speak to him in person, uh, we'll do that on Friday. Um, the goal was scored off a through ball, direct ball over the top by Moreno. In any case, it got the attackers to run into space. Why is this team seemingly incapable of hitting more through balls for Joseph? Okay, well, there's a couple of things... To this, uh, the team tried to hit a few of those yesterday, and LAFC cut them out. You might see Atlanta United try this several times, but LAFC cuts them out. And this version of Joseph Martinez that we've got right now isn't as fast as the Joseph Martinez from 17, 18, and 19. That's not to say he's slow, but he is older. He is coming off of a knee surgery, several knee surgeries, actually. So it's going to take some time. So there's really no point in trying to hit a ball into space that Joseph is not going to be able to run down uh, for a long, for a long, in a long sprint with a center back. So that's I think that's why. Um, Adam asks, it's halftime right now, and the supporters' in is melting. Yeah, they opened the roof uh, to the stadium yesterday, and I felt bad for the supporters' section because it was in the sun almost the entire game, with the exception of when clouds came overhead. Uh, I felt bad for y'all. Um, I, you know, I'm glad that the team opened the roof. 
I don't know if ESPN was happy that the team opened the roof because I think it affected their cameras and, and everything else because it was so bright. Um, anyway, Adam goes on, why has Atlanta not tried to send their wings down the side more frequently? So the previous question was about three balls to Joseph, and now we're getting asked about the wings. Uh, several times it appears they had the chance to send Bellow down the left flank, but either he didn't make the run or they're not looking for him. I think a lot of times they don't look for him. Atlanta is a very right-footed club, which is part of the reason they signed Luis Araujo. And so when you're right-footed and you get the ball, you're typically, depending on where you're on the field, you're, but you're typically looking to the right, not to the left, because it's easier to make that pass with your hips open than to try to turn and close down the hips. So a lot of times Bellow goes down that left side, and because the team's so right-footed, it's looking back to the right. And so he doesn't get the ball. Uh, Hernandez on the other side, I'll be honest with you, I thought he struggled again. Um, he just, to me, isn't doing anything very well on offense or defense. Uh, I, I think Brooks Lennon, who came on in the second half, is probably going to get his starting spot back against Toronto. Um, but we'll see. Am I missing something, or has Moreno not played as centrally as the past few matches? No, you're right, Adam, uh, and part of that is because of the return of Barco. So you have Barco and Moreno. You, you have the double pivot some with kind of with Rosetto and Sosa, and then you have the double offensive pivot with Barco and Moreno. And so they're trying to find spaces and the defense to exploit, and to do that means a lot of movement instead of a lot of kind of stationary starting, uh, which is kind of the case when Barco was gone and Moreno was the attacking midfielder. So that's why you're not seeing uh, Moreno, in my opinion, in as many central locations as in previous games. We asked Valentino Valentino about that yesterday, and that was pretty much his answer. They're just looking for spaces uh, in LAFC's defense and trying to exploit them. Um, a question from Twitter, because they don't email, I guess. When is new guy starting? Uh, that would be Arahujo. Um, his visa was not approved for Sunday's game, the team is hoping that it'll be approved for Wednesdays, and then he'll be available for selection for the game. Uh, curious to see what he's gonna bring and what formation Atlanta United is going to use to um, get him into the lineup because I think it's gonna have to take a formational shift to get him into the lineup into a 4-2-3-1 with Moreno centrally, Barco on the left, and Rahujo on the right, and Joseph Martinez as the striker. The team's played well with three center backs. So uh, either Valentino on Wednesday or Pineda on Saturday are going to have some choices to make, and the team's not going to have a whole lot of time to drill this again uh, because so many games in so few days. Coffee break. The unnamed person continues, why is Joseph, uh, and his name is misspelled, parked offside most of the game? He does that so that the center backs don't see him. The idea is Joseph is watching the play, watching Atlanta United, make some sort of signal to whomever has the ball to take it over the top, and when he sees that that player recognizes what he wants, Joseph the, then steps back onside, hoping that the center back hasn't located him or looked over his shoulder to find him. And then when the pass is hit, he tries to run onto it. It's a pretty common strategy uh, among strikers around the world. 
Pat asks, who's at risk leaving at the end of the season like Jurgen Dom or Kubo Torres? Yeah, this is a good question. Um, Atlanta United has a long history of shedding big contracts, and there are some big, big contracts on this team. Uh, Jurgen Dom's is second. Emerson Hyman has a big contract. Um, Mateus Uzetu has a big contract. So it's going to be interesting how many of those guys at Lenny United will keep uh, going into next season because you put them together and I think it's more than $3 million because Jurgen Dam makes 1.5. I think Zetu, uh, Hyman makes 900, I think, and Zetu makes uh, close to that. I have to go back and look. So that's almost $3 million or more than $3 million of guys that, uh, I mean, Hyman's hurt, but Dom and, and Huzetu, I don't, I'd have to go back and look. I don't think they have a goal or an assist this season. Let's look that up super-duper quickly. Um, Jurgen Dom, no goals, no assists this year. Huzetu, no goals, no assists this year. Hyman, one goal, one assist. That's a lot of money. Um, that is just kind of going to waste. Uh, Derek asks, are we finally seeing... Oh, I'm sorry. And Pat has one more question. What are the chances that Miles and Bello are sold in the January transfer window, given that they have done so well? Um, I think a lot just depends on the offers. Uh, Bello, I think, is more likely than Robinson... Robinson is already, I think, 25 years old. Let's look that up super fast. He's he's kind of, his window for going to Europe, uh, I hate to say it, is, oh, he's 24. Um, he'll be 25 next March. Is starting to get a little bit smaller, maybe, uh, than you would think. Center backs do play longer in their careers than offensive players. I think Robinson very much deserves a chance to play in Europe. I think he'd be very good. There's a guy who played well in Germany in his first start in America, and everyone was already saying that he's a better defender than Miles Robinson, which to me is a little bit crazy because you can't just base a whole sample size off of one game. You look at Miles Robinson's body of work, and he's the best one-on-one defender in Major League Soccer. Um, it's not even close. He should have won Defender of the Year two years ago when Icopara won it. Icopara, who barely played from that point forward, and Icopara was given more credit because he scored goals, but the award is Defender of the Year, um, not All-Around Player of the Year. Um, and Robinson is, again, the best one-on-one defender in Major League Soccer this year. Um, so, Derek asks, are we finally seeing the true skill set of Barco? Uh, I think you've always seen his skill set. It's his decision-making that is so much better, particularly in these past few games. His pass uh, yesterday... To Joseph, it was it was well hit, it was well done. Barco is finally, I think, kind of, it comes with age. His brain has kind of, is processing things at a speed that his body can handle. Um, whereas I think before, everything was just a little bit too fast. And so you're seeing his maturation. After the Martinez goal yesterday, he picked up Barco and hugged him, a set of 
teammates came to celebrate. Barco would, or Martinez wouldn't let go of Barco. Another set came. Martinez wouldn't let go of Barco. And he said after the game that he's my guy. He's like my son. Um, and you could see Joseph talking to Barco. And he said they were talking about how passes lead to goals. And I think that's a message that Joseph and others have been trying to get into Barco for a long time, but it's finally starting to sink in. Um, and that's a good thing because, you know, I've been critical of Barco, but it's just because it's my job. I'm an objective journalist. And so if a player's playing well, I'll say they're playing well. If they're playing poorly, I'll say they're playing poorly. I'll try to provide context for both the good and the bad. And right now, Barco is playing very, very well. And I think it's because of the maturation of the player. Um, and it's a good, good thing for Barco, and it's a good thing for the team. James asks, with the team playing as well as it has since 2019, why was there a need to hire a new manager right now? In a way, Pineda's job is made more difficult by the club's recent success. Um, well, you know, when Atlanta United started this search, it had no way of knowing that Valentino was going to go 2-2-2. Two, two, and two. Um, It had no way of knowing how the players were going to respond. They could theorize and model and, and discuss. Um, but I think Pineda is, go- is a good hire. I think he's going to be a good hire. As I said on the previous podcast, I would not at all be surprised if Pineda spends the rest of his season more trying to build relationships with players rather than provide tactical uh, strategies and game plans and things like that and just kind of let Valentino and, and his guys continue to do what they've been doing with Pineda, you know, giving his thoughts, offering his thoughts, if he feels extremely strongly making a couple of decisions. But if I were Pineda right now, I would just kind of use the time to really start to connect with the players because that seems to be what has worked very well for Valentino in his time as interim manager is. he The players know that he respects them, that he cares about them. It was said again yesterday that. that and that's what the players are going to want from Pineda. I think they are professionals, but they're also human. And sometimes that's how it works. Christian asks, uh, Jurgen Dom is still not seeing much time with Valentino at the helm. Given his big salary, is this time in Atlanta nearing an end? Um, I think I covered that, but he continues. If so, would that clear room for Tito's return? I don't know where this seed that Tito Viaba is coming back to Atlanta United, Atlanta United came from. But he's not coming back to Atlanta United. The, the, his salary he would want would be prohibitive, uh, I would think, within the MLS salary cap. And where's he going to play? He's not going to play on the left because that's where Barco's going to play because Arahujo is going to go to the right. Um, so I guess if y'all want to dream about that, that's fine. But it ain't happening. And... That wraps up y'all's questions, and I want to thank you for them. Thank you. Uh, so thank you. Um, posted a lot of different stories last night. The game story is up. Posted something on a talented uh, student at Georgia, uh, Lindsey Jason, who did an oil painting of Joseph Martinez that he came over after the game to sign and gave her his game jersey. Uh, that's up. A little story about the connection between Joseph and Barco 
And if it's like Barco with Almiron and Barco, or I'm sorry, with Joseph and Almiron and Joseph with Gressel, it's not, but it's developing. Um, what else? Uh, Joseph saying he almost retired in the offseason because of complications with his knee. Uh, all that is up there. I uh, hope that you'll please consider reading. Please consider following me on Twitter at Doug Robertson AJC. Please consider subscribing to the Atlanta Journal Constitution. And I am now off uh, to go see my daughter in college for the first time. She's a freshman. I'm very, very excited about that. Uh, so I am out of pocket for the rest of the day. Uh, we'll be out at United Training or by Zoom on Tuesday. So I'll have some more fresh content for y'all ahead of Wednesday's game against Toronto. Again, Atlanta United, one to nothing winners against LAFC. Y'all take care. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces, as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.